Hey guys, thank you so much for taking some time and adding these notes to your notes. And make sure to um, write down any questions and we'll go over it in class. Um, So we've talked about the start of Christianity, but please keep in mind that it has not... Um, it is not taken hold of the empire. It is not the official language of the empire. It's just it's officially, uh, it's it's a religion. Okay, so by 260 CE, uh, Rome is truly under attack. It's under attack pretty much from all sides, um, and the biggest threat comes from uh, the Sassanids. And in, ba- basically, the in 260, he um, and our him and his legions are. Um, going to battle with the Sassanids. Sassanids are um, a Persian empire, present-day Iran, if you're looking at a map. And, I mean, it's a complete bloodbath. The Romans are hit with a plague, so they're, like, puking everywhere. Um, it's just a massacre. And, and for the first time ever in world history, the Roman emperor is taken as captive. That's never happened before, right? So technically, like, is he ruling? Is he not? It's, it's super confusing. So at this point, the Sassanids just start like pillaging and plundering. And without a doubt, um, they're attempting to take over every single Eastern uh, province that Rome has. Okay. Uh, So if you're looking at the PowerPoint, like that entire orange region, they're attempting to take over. All right. Now, the red region, the West, that's also under attack. But at this point, it's like it's looking the worst for the East. So I want to introduce you to a very, very, very legendary epic dude. Odonathus is his name, and he lives in a city called Palmyria, and it's in, um, like, present-day Syria, and it's like a little desert town, but over the years, because of its location on the Silk Road, because the Silk Road has extended, um, it has gotten crazy rich, all right? And as a result, the, um, uh, the citizens were given, like, the same clout as Roman citizens. So anyway, Odonathus was the governor of this town and, and he basically realized like, well, we're next. So he like lightning speed starts like collecting this like desert army, like any soldiers, you know, he found, finds, you know, any leftover legions that are still kind of standing from, it's like, think of it like a patchwork quilt of Roman legions, right? Sassanids come and somehow he so the story goes is like he he has his like patchwork army like these this ghost army on a higher ground and they they kind of look almost like a mirage because this is a desert and supposedly they just wipe out the biggest like invincible Sassanid army so anyway so he starts moving like crazy and you know saving all of these provinces um and you know basically that orange area bringing it back under Roman rule. But here's the deal. He never called himself emperor. Pretty incredible. Um, as he, um, he also was, um, protected the emperor's son. All right. Remember the emperor is, um, under, uh, captivity. So eventually he's able to get the emperor free. Um, he, Odonathus is given the title King of Kings, which was a kind of a dig at the Sassanids because the Sassanids called their king king of kings and so it was like the Romans way of being like yeah you're you're not the boss anymore anyway, um how the story ends is Odonathus and his son end up getting killed at a dinner and um but by his it was stupid his like Odonathus was hunting and his nephew was being rude so he told the nephew to leave and that just made him so mad that the nephew ended up killing him anyway <clears throat> 
Odonathus's wife declares herself empress of Palmyria, but by this time, the Romans were able to kind of reclaim itself, right? So that massive empire that you're looking at um, is back under control of the emperor. And so um, anyway, <clears throat> she is, does not get to keep her title. But um, really, I, I think this guy is a really epic guy because you can pretty much assume that that entire east would fall, um, have fallen if it wasn't for him. And keep in mind, this is 130 years before Christianity was named the official religion and the capital was moved to Constantinople. So I think he's a pretty epic guy. Anyway, speaking of Christianity, let's talk about the appeal of Christianity. Um, it, you know, it, it's, as we talked yesterday, it, it starts as kind of like a ragtag religion, but, you know, a, a, a appeal of it is it's, um, you know, worship, worship, you can reflect at the martyrdom, you know, that, you know, God is willing to give his only son to die for people. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of nice. Um, there's, it's also spreading cause there's written records. You know, we talked about the gospels and, um, St. Paul. And, um, so it, it, like I said, it's not the official religion, but it is spreading. Okay. So the critical moment for Christianity, I want to, I want to tell you about comes with Emperor Constantine and, Emperor Constantine. So if you notice, I've skipped some time. So we've gone from like 260 to 312. So Odonathus has saved Rome. We've gone through a couple of emperors. So now we're at Emperor Constantine. And so he, you know, even though Odonathus saved Eastern Rome, like the, the emperor is still having to face problems in the West, particularly with the Gauls. Okay. So he's preparing for a battle. It's called the Battle of Melvian Bridge. And basically he, um, he prays. He, he's not a Christian, but he's praying for divine help. And while he's praying, he sees a vision of a cross. And okay, well, we know that a cross is a symbol for Christianity. So he decides to have his artisans put crosses on the shields. And guess what? <laughs> he won the battle. So he's like, hmm, um, okay. So at this point, he orders that Christianity be tolerated. Okay, so now it's spreading. And he's still not a Christian, but he's making it be tolerated. Okay. And this political advantage for him is he thinks this could be, you know, an advantage if he could harness the zeal of the Christians, right? So like religion can definitely be a factor of um, division, but it can also be used as a factor for um, unity. All right. So he decides he's going to actually like completely structure the faith. And so in 325, he called a council of bishops and basically they're coming up with a formula for Christianity, like a legit, make it a legit religion. And, um, this is referred to as the Nicene Creed. And, um, you know, basically this early church, there's, there's a, um, um, at the top, at the like local level, you have the priest, uh, the bishop presides over the churches. Um, and then eventually, um, the Pope will be named as like the, um, leader of this Christian church. The first, the first bishop is Peter in Jerusalem. Um, he is considered the first Pope, although he never claimed authority over the Catholic church or Christian church at this point. Um, but, um, Peter ended up dying in Rome, which is, you know, if, if you know Vatican, the Vatican is located in Rome and that's uh, where all popes reside today. So, um, 1330, um, Constantine established an Eastern Roman capital at Constantinople. 
And why he did this was this was a new city without pagan traditions of Rome, right? So, I mean, you have a new religion, you need a new city. And he, um, um, you know, massive um, uh, building campaign, absolutely, you know, gorgeous. Um, on his deathbed, he did... Um, he he did decide to become um, a Christian. He was he was baptized on his on his uh, deathbed, and so it's kind of it's kind of interesting because he turned this like very disrespected ghetto faith into like a legit institu- institution. Sorry. So, um, Theodosius, very very important. Um, he is the last emperor to rule over both the East and the West Roman Empire, and he you know, campaigned against foreign invaders. And he is the one who makes Christianity the official state religion. So Constantine kind of like spreads it, makes it official, but it's Theodosius who makes it the official state religion. Um, But he did not destroy the Roman temples, which I think is kind of cool. He did ban pagan rituals at the Olympics in 393. Um, And when he died, the if you're looking at the map, the empire was split between his two sons, East and West halves. All right. So why this is important is because basically this is going to lead to the crumbling of the West and there's military threats, you know, the Gauls, um, every, a lot of people are moving to this new hit, like, you know, town of Constantinople because it's so beautiful and rich and thriving. Um, there's trade is disrupted in the West because of, (coughs) excuse me, I apologize. Because of all these military threats, there's invaders, there's the Saxons, there's the Huns, there's the Visigoths, Ostrogoths, <clears throat> excuse me. So trade is, is, is disrupted. Um, there's also other theories in the West that, you know, the, you know, currency has completely, you know, been broken or, or meddled with. Um, there's lead poisoning that kills everybody. Um, there's too many slaves, like too much of a reliance on slaves, and um, a bad political system, too much spirituality. I think they're all kind of silly. But anyway, in Rome, things are really starting to fall apart. Economics, political mess, and the final sack of Rome in 455 CE. This is the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. And it's going to be divided. And that is going to lead us into what's going to happen in Europe in May. Very, very, very important. Now, the eastern half is going to become the Byzantine Empire and it's going to flourish. Because of Odonathanus saving the eastern, you know, Greek and Roman heritage is going to survive. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to seeing you. Bye.